What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Welcome aboard. Fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And uh, new ones will pop into your feed if you go ahead and hit the subscribe button there on the old iTunes or wherever you're listening from, perhaps the Potomatic. And uh, what you want to do is you want to hit subscribe and then you want to hit rate and review. You want to click that. You want to click that rate and review button. Pause. Pause. Waiting for you to click the right the rate and review button there. And then... Uh, and then click five stars give it give it uh the old five stars there say a few nice words and uh that is super helpful and a free way to support the podcast that you're listening to and to help the the program get more national visibility which is extremely beneficial to all the artists that come on the show so check it out over there on the itunes and check out the youtube channel which uh on the youtube channel now you can you can find the try mars documentary that um was just released i'm actually uh i'm on my way to the premiere party right now because this is wednesday and you're hearing this sometime after friday but i'm on my way to the premiere party over at the waypost and i'm pretty pretty pumped about it so you can find that on the dan cable presents youtube channel it's called move through you a film about tribe mars and uh so so check that out hit subscribe on the youtube channel and you'll find out when uh, new videos come out there just released uh, some live videos of rashid jamal also thanks to all the the folks that rolled out to mississippi pizza pub last week for the rashid show super fun time down there um, DanCablePresents.com is the uh, the central location where you can find all of these things, including the the newest episode and whatnot, and and uh, links to all the things you need to find links to, as well as uh, how to get in contact with me if you want to send an email. I'll read some emails on this show, okay? Don't test me; I'll do it. Um. Also, uh, I just realized well, uh, right before getting ready to do this intro that um i definitely left a microphone over there at the nest on belmont so uh if you find a, a microphone case uh that has a dc on it <laughs> that's me that's this guy uh pulling a real amateur move just leaving gear over at the nest which is actually where i recorded this particular episode with the uh the brains behind the jack maybe project uh this is a very very cool chat and uh just uh cool to to get to hear about uh this fella's process and and kind of how he got into music at an early age because of his dad being a player and then that all coming back to his dad now playing with him on stage a lot um for the jack maybe project shows and uh 
we also uh there is some exposure of of some some early like what the both of us were listening to uh music wise you know before our music uh catalogs became quote unquote cool and uh more informed so that was a lot of fun as well and i just i i think jack maybe project is is an outstanding band to go see live um i probably said that a bunch during this episode but honestly if you if you have not seen them you should uh you should check them out they are playing this sunday in fact on february 11th over at the owl's den and that's a free show so that's a great time to go check them out they're over there at owl's den and then they also have a show i believe i think it's march 23rd over at the roseland uh if i'm incorrect about that you can you know find jack maybe um on the old social media is there and the internets and i'll put the, the link is in the notes in the show notes that you're listening to right now you can just check out the links so uh check those out and uh find out when they're playing because they're they are great live they're a lot of fun to see and um just a couple other calendar dates before we we get right into the episode here i uh want to shout out february 11th aside from jack maybe playing at owl's den during the daytime there is a uh, music business forum going on over at the doug fur it's at 1 p.m to 4 p.m if you're a musician you should be at this man this is a free education free information and a very cool way to network with some folks around town jason fellman and chris young from Ford Text Magazine, put these things together on a quarterly basis um, to empower the music community that we're all a part of and to hopefully give you some information that is going to help you become better at uh, just running your band in, in a more organized fashion and a more, more efficient and impactful um, organization. So... Doug Fur, this Sunday, February 11th. Be there. It's uh, This particular one is on uh, social media marketing, so which is an important thing now nowadays. So if you want to learn some more about that or just go meet some, some folks that are in this community with you, check it out. It's free. Did I mention that? It's free. Also, this Friday, February 16th, Going Down at the Doug Fur is a really sick show featuring Tribe Mars. They are playing. Um, it is and and Anne's release show. And Melt is also on that bill. That's going to be stacked out over at the Doug Fur. The Dougie, the Dougie Fresh, Friday, December 16th. Check that out. Also, December 16th is Aaron Ross's, uh, this is like final Who's the Ross kind of going, uh, closing out party. So, that's also going, that's on a Dante's. So two awesome things for the 16th. So find yourself in one of those things. And if you find me there, say what's up. That's it. We're going to get into episode 97. We are, man, just a few weeks away from episode 100, which I couldn't be more excited about. We are, we are heading in to Hallowed Halls this Sunday to record a few studio sessions and i'm not going to mention whom with quite yet we'll just let that roll out as the episode rolls out um but i'm incredibly pumped 
and I'm super, super grateful to be recording at the Howard Halls. It's it's an amazing recording studio, and uh, I am I am jazzed. I'll tell you, I'm geeked, as they say. I don't know. Somebody's saying that. Um, don't forget to subscribe on the iTunes, and don't forget to leave a review. I cannot stress the importance of this and uh, how it helps the sustainability of the show. So please drop me a line there. Say what's up. Uh, Say something about the uh, episode that drew you in. So maybe others will refer to that as a uh, jumping in point. Um, But this is episode 97 with uh, the Jack Maybe Project. And we're going to get into a jam to kick it off. And the jam is off of the new Jack Maybe Project record that came out towards the end of uh, 2017. And it's called Old Man Mountain and Other Cautionary Tales. And I messed up the name so many times during the episode. So I apologize for that um, malfunction there. But uh, it's Old Man Mountain and Other Cautionary Tales. And uh, we're kicking it off with a jam called Death of Reason. So this is it. Let's get into it. Episode 97 coming at you. Yeah. Hey. 
Jack Maybe. Yeah. Of the Jack Maybe Project. That's me. Hanging out here at the uh, the Nest in Southeast Portland, the uh, the recent home of these <laughs> these mobile casts. <laughs> Love the Nest here. Uh, happy to have you on the program, dude. Thank you. Lo- uh, lovely being here. Aside, also there's a. I think there's a, a couple over on the side over there having their first date. I was watching them. Oh, nice. Before. It's been it's pretty funny. Do you suspect it was a, a, a dating app first date? Uh, I'm not Did sure about that, but it does seem to be going well. So good for them. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to see if they're still talking. Yeah, we'll keep by them the up time there. we're done talking. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I found out about the Jack Maybe project um, through through our mutual friend Keisha Dower um, because. You and uh, a few of the other people in the Jack Maybe project mm-hmm. also back her as her band mm-hmm. most of the time, and I definitely heard the name of your band a lot, and then finally caught you at Turn 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 for the first time. That was, was a fun show. It was a very awesome show to to see for the first time. Like, yeah, we played with uh, Maurice and the Stiff Sisters, which was a lot of fun. I yeah, love that band. They're fucking awesome. Spencer is a really cool dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I was just pretty, pretty blown away by by the Jack Maybe performance that night. Thank you. Like I was very much a fan. Right, like as soon as I saw, I was like, "Wow, this is very cool." And um, I don't know, it just seems to to really do a nice, nice justice to like the vintage vibes. Yeah, we we I mean we tried to update the sound a little bit, but we tried to keep it pretty true to traditional values as well. I mean, not traditional values, but traditional sounds as well. Um, it's uh, a lot of that band came from uh, an older band. Well, not a lot of it, but me and Will, who's the banjo player, we've been playing together forever, and he's also one of the players in uh, Kiki in the Dowry, and he and I played in uh, King Columbia for a long time. And between him and Bree, who I met through Matthew Fountain and the Whereabouts, yeah. uh, I've been playing with those guys for a while. It's okay. been fun. And Bree is uh, the other vocalist yes. in the Jack Maybe Project. Yeah. And yeah, Will is a very, very good player. And mm-hmm. it seems like the two of you have a very cool uh, chemistry together. Yeah, he actually just started his own band in our first... Uh, our first show is this Saturday. Yeah, it's yeah. the day after this will be released. So maybe, yeah, yeah people should go check that out for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, man, how long ago did you start playing music? Did you pick it up at a pretty pretty early age? Like just in general? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, so I was 11. So a long time ago. Uh, I'll leave the math to be the mystery there. <laughs> It's all right, man. I'm no, young, I'm no young man these since days. I was yeah, no, no, not anymore. <laughs> um, so 11, that's when you get like first instrument? Yeah, my, my dad before that gave me piano lessons, which I didn't really shine with. Uh, I didn't have the best piano teacher, but it was a start in kind of the foray of like how you learn an instrument. And then my dad finally got me a guitar when I yeah when I was 11 and he's been in bands since he was a kid as well he's a bass player in Portland uh, was gigging around a lot in the in the 90s 
Uh, and he's actually in my band every once in a while too, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I like was really. I thought that was very cool when I found out that 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 was your dad you know, <laughs> seeing you like the first time, and and um, the other performance that I've seen you play was was your album release show. Mm, yeah, uh, he was also the bass player that night. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up and seeing him playing playing out and stuff or playing like obviously like a pretty active musician Mm -hmm. do you think that was a big reason why why you gravitated towards it i think i had a a natural kind of a natural yearning to play music uh i just had to find my instrument but def my dad was definitely an uh, an influence on music he taught me my first few chords and then uh, I taught myself a few others, and then he would be like, all right, can you learn this song? Can you learn this song? Always challenging me. And that also helped when I was challenged when I went to school for music, which I'm uh, currently getting my master's in as well. Um, and so instead of when I would get challenged, instead of like feeling bad or like ducking away from it, I always kind of try and rise up to it and like, oh, this is a hard piece, but let's try and get it done. Let's try and piece it together and all that stuff. So you really... Yeah, that, that's very cool that he was there to to encourage you to do that. Yeah, um, my mom was also very encouraging, but she just it didn't click to her, her that like music would be a thing. Like she had me do like visual arts, which I was awful at. She had me do like uh, speech and debate, I think at one point, if I remember correctly, and like all these other things that I would try, but she just like didn't figure out. My dad's a musician, maybe he's a musician, that type yeah. of thing. And she says it's so obvious now, but. Uh, yeah, at the time, she just didn't even think of it. Yeah, was your dad also just very good at not kind of like crossing the line as far as how pu- how far he pushed you? I'm was, sorry, what? Was was your dad like very good at not kind of crossing the line of how hard he pushed you to like become a better musician? Um, my dad's a very relaxed person, and if you if you talk with him for two seconds. Uh, you'll get that vibe from him immediately. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think he ever like even came close to like pushing the line as far as like pushing too hard or things like that. He wanted me to do well, and he wanted me to succeed in whatever it was I'd done. But like, he just, I don't know, a few tips of fatherly advice, and then back to wherever he was doing it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just assume with uh, like him being even a part of your band a lot of the time now that that would been would have been the case like he didn't <laughs> you know like yeah. burn that bridge oh, in the middle of like no. trying to push too hard or anything no, and not even a little bit yeah what is it what is it like to to have him up there like when you're playing like a sold out room at kelly's you know <laughs> like for your album release and have him to be a part of that experience well i i mean honestly i don't have him up there because he's my dad i have him up there because he's a no, great he shreds, yeah he's so good it's, it's very it's so <laughs> fucking cool like yeah. i and i know that without you even have to, having to tell me because of the level of players that are in your band mm-hmm. you know like i i wouldn't see you cutting that corner just to have your dad up there no not at all i uh yeah so i mean first and foremost he is good and and then i try to have i mean you want to have good rapport. Uh, you want to have good relationships with everybody in your band, of course. And, you know, I have a really good relationship with my father, so, you know, might as well just put him in there, too. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And it's, 
it just must be pretty unreal to like get to share that experience because it is such a such a like inexplicable thing to to experience being on the stage like that and so it just must be really incredible to get to share that experience yeah and when he was in his heyday of playing i never got to go to any of his shows for the most part because i was underage i was like uh yeah i moved in with him when i was like 11 or sorry 10 and then i i would always help him pack away his amps and then watch him drive off and then i never got to go to the shows uh and so now that i get to actually like be there for that part too it's pretty fun um yeah, and going back to just your your early beginnings with with picking up a guitar, what was it? What was it about picking up the guitar that that was so different than the piano that kind of made you fall into it? Um, you know what? I don't rightly know. It just felt a little bit more right. Strings, I think, in general, felt felt better. And uh, before I tried to learn the guitar, I tried to learn bass. But I would I would like start to practice bass and I would play a few notes. I mean I play upright bass for kicking the dowry and all that stuff now. Uh, but when I was still learning the instrument, uh, my my dad would hear me and then go in his room and start practice bass and I would hear him and get discouraged and then I would just put the bass back down and uh, I don't know if he if he kind of saw that or like but uh, eventually he just kind of caved in and gave me my first acoustic blue guitar it had no make no model it was just a blue plastic guitar <laughs> that never stayed in tune classic <laughs> <laughs> i think i think a lot of guitarists have that first experience and when you picked up the guitar were you immediately coming up with your own compositions or were you just learning covers and and starting to play play the, licks i think the first uh, the first song I learned was uh, a Green Day song. I don't remember the name anymore. It was a ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. That's ba-dum, Brain Stew. Ba-dum. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Uh, the one. It was on Godzilla. That's where I heard it from yes, because it, that was it, really that cool. That was definitely on the Godzilla <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, but Tracked. yeah, that's where I heard it. And I was like, I like this song. And then I finally was like, I could kind of like, it, it kind of just happened at the same time as me learning guitar. So I tried to play it and then learned power chords that way. My dad taught me how to play bar chords, and so I expanded that. And then, uh, yeah, that was, I think that was the first full song I learned that wasn't like Mary Had a Little Lamb or some dumb thing. Yeah, I feel like Brain Stru- uh, Brainstrew Brain <laughs> from Green Day is uh, like our generation's uh, like a deep purple riff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that smoke on the water. Like, I, I hope not. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying like in comparison, but yeah, it's no, just no, like no. <laughs> an easy jam it, to yeah. learn. And it's, and eventually, especially, I think our generation really would learn it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it kind of lines up perfectly. We're learning guitar, brains do, done. <laughs> um, after you learned uh, to play some riffs and able to navigate the guitar a little bit where was it pretty quick after that that you started writing your own songs uh not actually i didn't probably write my own song until i was 16 um and that was so i was like really into like i don't know not quite metal but like heavy rock and things like that like what throw some bands out there uh well i mean when I was first getting into car- guitar, of course, Led Zeppelin and that whole Stairway to Heaven, nobody's allowed to play it anymore and that whole thing, which I <laughs> I like when people play it. I don't I call me call me old-fashioned or whatever. I think if you're learning guitar, that's a perfect one to learn at some point. Um, but, like, I don't know. 
It's a little embarrassing. Static X, I think I listen to a lot of. It's cool, uh, man. I, I, <laughs> if you saw my my like iPod from like that era of like high school and stuff, dude. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's full of like a lot of alternative rock that's or you know like heavier yeah. rock stuff that. Yeah. It doesn't really resonate with me now, but yeah. like it definitely had its time and, and its place. And I still have that nostalgia. So if I listen to any of those old albums or like uh, uh, Disturbed or anything like nice, that, I'm dude. like, oh, yes. yeah, no, I, I, yes, I have that nostalgia there. Absolutely. Uh, but around around 15, uh, I started like out of nowhere. Uh, like I listened to the Beatles before, but that was like my dad's music. That was my dad always listened to that. And then somewhere around fifteen, I guess I got kind of got over, like got over myself basically. And I listened, and I sat down and listened. To it. I was like, no, this is this is awesome. This is amazing. This is everything. <laughs> and then Paul Simon, uh, and uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and Paul Simon's solo stuff. Yeah, that's what led me down. Like ste- just steered me way away from all that. I was like, this is the path that you should be going down. I'm like, all right, you're right. And. Uh as far as like writing lyrics and things like that, writing lyrics, uh, not so much until yeah until sixteen because also uh, I tr- we I tried to write some music at fifteen uh, with my best friend at the time Thomas, and then he was like I don't want to sing anymore, and then I was just out in the open I was like I still want to write songs so I guess I have to start writing full songs now, and it was kind of that element of just losing losing an element of my quote-unquote band at the time uh, where I just like well I, I have to make it make it up somehow right on um, what, what was uh, what were you writing about then or was it always like very personal experience or always kind of trying to tell stories through a different characters point of view I've always kind of masked uh, my experiences in in symbolism and and stories and things like that. Uh, even even back then, I think the first one that I, the first song I ever wrote was called like "The River." I think it was, um, and that that was actually one of my more, more personal songs. Uh, and it was about just basically growing up and stuff like that, uh, and being sixteen. <laughs> uh, so it's of course angsty and. And all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you shift to now or towards the time that the Jack Maybe project became, mm-hmm. um, who would you say like artistically had a big influence on that sound? Moving away from the things like Disturbed, <laughs> and, like getting getting through that phase. By the way, I just want to just so you're not like outing yourself on your own, like listening to Disturbed. Like I was definitely listening to like Three Days Grace and oh, yeah. Limp Biscuit and and all that shit during that time as well. Yeah. So I, I just don't want you to be alone, you know, <laughs> offering up this information without no, me jumping in. in the I think pool we all have those albums aside from yeah, like man. a few people who are. They were like somehow exposed to like way cooler music and, and yeah. got it at that early of an age. They have way cool parents. They and missed they out on the, uh, yeah. on Puddle of Mud and the first Nickelback record, which was actually very good. Okay, objectively, go go ahead, go ahead and listen to the Long Road Home. I'll do that. This is the first exposure of that right here. It took ninety seven episodes, but it's okay. It's all right. I just didn't want you to be alone, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Um. But yeah, what about like what 
influenced starting Jack Maybe? Because I feel like it's a very, like, it's got that vintage, like, very classic, uh, like, vaudeville almost yeah. vibe to it. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what, what you call it genre-wise when you're trying to tell somebody about your band, but... Like I find it to be those uh, types my favorite of that I've heard uh, was uh, actually uh, uh, Spencer who called it uh, the American Songbook, and I was like, "That's perfect. I'm taking that." Um, so that's that's how I describe it. As far as influences go, I mean, Paul Simon was a huge influence on like basically everything after sixteen. Okay, uh, and even still, like I still go back and listen to those records just incessantly, um, but. I mean, at this point, it's just an amalgamation of just everything that I've I've heard at this point and kind of come across. I mean, the the most recent album though was heavily inspired by a trip to uh, New Orleans most recently. Um, well, it's been a couple of years now, I guess. Uh, but I went to uh, visit a friend of mine named Madison, and he and I just kind of were hanging out, and uh, I went down. Uh, Bourbon Street and French Quarter, and just listened to all the uh, jazz and blues out there, and it was it was amazing. And I think that was probably the most fresh influence in my mind. Yeah, dude, I remember the first time when I saw you guys at Turn Turn Turn. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this music, <laughs> like this is some Bayou New Orleans shit. <laughs> like immediately, I was like, this band should be playing on Bourbon Street. You know, like I, I definitely got that vibe i wish i'm not sure i'm not sure we would do amazing on bourbon streak but uh, but just in that like it feels like it very much comes from that place yeah i mean it going down that street was so refreshing in as like just so staunchly opposed to portland when where it's not like i just was walking down the street stopped in at like just a window, an open window, listened to a jazz band for a little bit and then just went down to the next place until it did the same thing. And it's, it, that was to me like being first and foremost, a musician more than anything else. That was kind of like my holy ground as far as like, Oh wow, this is, this is amazing. And even still a lot of people are, uh, a lot of the locals were telling me like, it's not even close to what it used to be. And so I, I yearned for, for an experience I've never had. Uh, down in down on uh, in New Orleans, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it obviously, it had an insane impact on you, and I think it's also very cool that it had such an impact that I can only speak for myself. But that's the way like it makes me feel when I'm listening to it. You know, like <laughs> I feel like I'm in a place that I've actually never even been. I've never been to New Orleans, but it, like when I hear anything about New Orleans that's like i associate like jack maybe project would be like super awesome from there or like it makes a lot of sense and um yeah as far as uh i don't know the uh did you grow up in portland no no in this uh, area I mean, when I when I turned eleven, I moved out to Hillsboro. Okay. But before that, I was uh, living down. I mean, most recently in uh, in in Louisiana. But before that, uh, used to live basically, I don't know, hour and a half from the border of uh, te- in Texas, but in the border of Louisiana as well. Oh wow! Um, and so I was 
that's kind of where I started making memories is down there in Texas. And then uh, I we I lived in in the bayou, the literal bayou of Louisiana, and just it didn't vibe with me. I do, bayou. I I'm I'm a city boy. I'm a city slicker. <laughs> that is for sure. So kind of going back to Louisiana, mm. like that that obviously resonated with you and yeah uh i i i had a, an opportunity to hang out and stay with a friend of mine who i'm really fond of and i got to go down there and experience louisiana in a much better light and a much more kind of you know jack maybe feel so uh because before that before that if you look, uh, look at my first album it's a lot more bluegrass and folk yeah uh, and so i still have in i have family in west virginia where I visit very often and stuff like that. And so I had, it was most of my early stuff was very influenced by West Virginian folk music and like Appalachian and then went to New Orleans and yeah, just went on a whole new, a whole new kick. Very cool, man. Um, yeah, I just find there to be something really transcendent about the, the music that you make and yeah. it like takes Thank me you. back to this, this era that, Thank you. I never personally got to exist, so I think that's <laughs> one of the reasons I, I dig it so much. You should but definitely I, visit. It's amazing. I, like, but just in general, like I just feel like it, it flashes back like many years too. So, yeah. like when when I'm listening to it, it becomes very like visual to me. Like mm-hmm. I start thinking about all these things and like these different atmospheres that that's awesome. I'm not accustomed to. You know, that's great feedback. I love it. Awesome, dude. Uh, let's get into. Uh, we're gonna get into whiskey song okay. off the. Uh, yeah, this one is, I think, one of the oldest songs I've been playing, aside from maybe Poor Moon. Did this happen before your other record then? You, you, you yeah, I, I wrote you. this uh, even before King Columbia. Like, this is probably yeah one of my oldest songs that I still play. And it just came out on your 2017 record. That's right. That's right. Awesome, dude. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Whiskey's song from the Jack Maybe Project. Take a shot of whiskey and go. Shake hands and we play pride. 
So I, I really dig the overall vibe of the the recording of the uh, tales, cautionary tales from the from Old Man Mountain, which is the new record that you just put out. And I just sonically think it's very cool, and like it definitely captures a very awesome vibe for the instrumentation that's on the record, and often feels that I'm just you know watching the band in a small room kind of vibe. Yeah, we tried to. We tried to do it as live as possible. So there's like little, we, we tried to do as much as possible in one take, but it didn't work so much in scheduling. So it's just, we did like pairs or three people at a time um, doing their parts. So it still has kind of a live sound to it. Um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, as far as like the image and everything of the, of the album goes, I have my friend who's an artist. She does all the art for me. Her name's Maggie Barant and she's amazing. Uh, and so, uh, I get to, I get to like work really closely with her to like set up the, I don't know, the themes of the album too, visually in a way. Yeah. And I definitely, uh, you know, dove into King and Mayville a little bit, your previous release yeah. and, and I dig some tunes on there, but, but cautionary tales of old man mountain just seems like it is this, this leap from that and, yeah. and very, very next level from that. Yeah, the 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 King of Mayville, that album was basically me just cleaning the slate because they like all those songs are so old, and I finally was able to put them down. My uh, my father owns the studio that I that I record at, and so when he finally got it together, I was like, "Hey, can I go record?" And he and he said, "Yeah," and so I get to go record with my dad. Um, who's also my bass player sometimes, but on that album I was playing most of the other most of most instruments on that album, on the King of Mayville one. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, so I didn't I didn't have as much I don't know freshness uh, going into it, and I already knew how everything was gonna should sound and things like that. And it, I don't know overall. Yes, I agree uh, with the addition of everything and the new songs and what I'm trying to do now and the difference between uh, like it is in a different world basically yeah and the instrumentation is just very dialed in and i even think like vocally it seems like these these songs like you shine more on these on these tunes even yeah like they're just very very dialed in well and also uh, my uh my dad and i i mean the first album was a learning experience too in, in a lot of the ways so i i think i think we had a better sense of what we were doing too uh and then yeah the fresh i mean I, I, I mean, I, I give direction more than I give uh, uh, notation. I suppose I, okay. I, I, I try to lead the band into into something more than telling them exactly what to play. So that way, each show is a little different. Each way to do it is a little different. Uh, I had maybe a little bit more uh, telling people what to do in the recordings, but uh, live, I try to keep it fresh and so that things give, are new always yeah and just kind of give them a little bit of freedom and in, in room but yeah also like i said earlier you've you've surrounded yourself with some very good players so oh, i yes. imagine that that everybody's pretty conscious about you know not taking advantage of that freedom and yeah and still serving the song first yep yeah um which i appreciate as yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's far as this record how many instruments did you play on the new record one more time how many instruments did you play on the on the new album uh just two i just played uh guitar bass. oh three and and sang okay. i played guitar bass and i and i sang yeah 
And your your dad engineered the record yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, originally, I was gonna have I, I have uh, two bass players. Uh, and another friend of mine plays bass for us sometimes called James Ramey, and and, and uh, he was originally gonna be uh, the bassist on the album, but unfortunately, schedule like scheduling with seven people hard, uh, and so rehearsals sometimes <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of a a pain. But uh, he was he was unfortunately unable to make the recording, so I just picked up the bass and did it myself. And as far as this collection of songs, mm -hmm. which seem to be, I don't know, you said Whiskey Song is, is obviously a very old song. Mm -hmm. It fit the themes, though. That's why I put it on there. And, yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of leading into. Like, where where did the, the like inspiration for putting this collection of tunes together? Um, that is a good question. Or, uh, is, or is there, like, a just a, a storyline that, that kind of sparked sparked this whole thing of, of creating the cautionary tales of there's there's not necessarily a storyline but there there is consistent themes of uh, things that I kind of battle uh, and portray as you know monstrous to me I portray our, our band me and the band as monsters on the album a lot um, but uh, so if, if you know if monsters are battling something how monstrous are the things that they're battling type of thing um but so things that things that I battle with depression, uh, you know, borderline alcoholism, and uh, and just uh, troubles basically was was that entire album, which is why it was kind of cautionary tales. Um, and so it's not necessarily uh, a consistent story in through the whole thing, but it is they are related. Does it does it kind of take place in in a certain place and in, in time to you, like when you're when you're thinking about these tunes? Is this is this a far away place? Yeah, yeah. At this point, actually, yeah. I I am much more on my feet currently uh, than, uh, and I was on my feet when I wrote the songs too. Uh, but you can still, like, I mean, people who battle depression and who battle with alcoholism and anxiety and things like that, they they can easily recall uh, those those battles. Um, so I mean, it's still always going to be fresh in in your mind. And so you can, re I mean, that's kind of what I take inspiration from as far as like for the album goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It just, it just comes across as this very cool, cool story to me. The whole, the whole from the, from the intro in and the, and the intro is such a great lead into the whole thing. Thank you. That was a kind of a, not last minute edition, but that was a, that was more of an afterthought than it was a current thought. Yeah, it very much like sets the stage to me for mm -hmm. for this thing that's going to play Thank out. You. And Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it almost the way the narrative is written mm -hmm. seems to to me to just kind of take place in a simpler time. And I don't know if I, I mean that just like many years ago kind of deal. You know? Yeah. I think that comes with uh, when you're doing more traditional styles, because uh, I mean, like, I, like my background in folk music, uh, I think that's it, it does kind of reminisce a simpler time. Uh, but even those simpler times, I don't think were as simple as we might, you know, make them out to be. Yeah, and I've found it very, like, it seems very obvious at this point to me after having all these conversations with different musicians that. That obviously, the uh, you know expressing yourself through 
any sort of art, but music specifically seems to be this incredible tool for for those people that that do have anxiety. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, the actual you know producing a live show and and making all of those things actually happen, like the parts that happen outside of creating music can be a little stressful as far as like the live performance. Do you find a lot of comfort in that as well? Yes, very much so. Uh, I mean, my first per- my first performance was also when I was 16 at the Satyricon um, and just dingy little place, uh, kind of a, rem- uh, a remnant of, a, of what it once was. Um, but uh, I mean, that's that's how I dealt with it for a long time. Uh, I mean, it also fueled a lot of it, but it's it's kind of a it's a weird little battle I think that all performers kind of have, and not necessarily just music, like dancers. And I think anybody who performs and wants to get up in front of people has that battle at some point. Yeah, absolutely, man. Any, I mean, especially taking even this podcast in in a live form sometimes yeah. is is definitely something I'm, I. I book it and make it happen and I'm just like, oh shit, like yeah. I have oh, to <laughs> actually do this in front of people now or, yeah. or just even, I don't know, I've had plenty of, of podcast sessions that I've even rolled up to, whether it's in the studio or just doing one of these at a bar and, and the entire time I'm, I'm going, I'm just like, oh man, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I can hang yeah. <laughs> doing this tonight and then, <laughs> and then it happens and I'm incredibly grateful that yeah there's always a kind of a retrospective like yes that was awesome even if it was like a a a crapshoot or something like that like even even those unfortunate shows you look back and you usually are usually are grateful somehow for some reason for sure yeah uh is this the um like this record kind of introduced all all these horns as well Mm -hmm. um What's it been like to, to have a horn section with you in the live sense? Uh, great. And it's really filling in kind of sonically what I've been missing this entire time. I mean, I didn't have a band when I performed live ever until, until I put this together uh, about a, a little over a year ago now. Um, and so this whole, this whole year has been filling up sound uh, that was missing the entire time. Yeah, but a- horns, horns are also very special because they're not all in the key of C. So you have to <laughs> transpose, really put my orchestration skills at work while I was trying to create chord charts and everything for them. Yeah, it's funny. I, I knew um, Tyler, who plays trumpet for you. I knew that Tyler played trumpet, mm-hmm. but I had never seen him play. Um, and I was I was super pumped to finally see him play when at your your album release show. Yeah, and and just to see, just like you were talking about, it just it's such a big sound that that adds so much to to what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and then you got the the clarinet player as well. Yeah, and I'm spacing on her name right now. And like it hits a tan like, but they're both over my voice as far as like. Uh, uh, pitch goes, but then like the timbre is so different too that yeah, it really brings a roundness uh, to the rest. The, the I'm only like I the only instrument that I'm kind of missing right now that I, I'm still looking for is a trombone player, and then I think I, the band is basically done as far as what I want from it. 
Was that an adjustment for you then, as far as vocally, learning to sing with the horns? Uh, was it a challenge at all? Surprisingly, no. No, it wasn't that much of a challenge. It, I mean, it, you do need to adjust, but I don't think I ever found it challenging to, to make that adjust, adjustment. Uh, I, I, I picked Brooke and Tyler because I like the way that they, they voice uh, their instrument. Oh, you mean the get fucked horn section? Yeah, the get fucked horn section. <laughs> Such of a course. dope man. <laughs> so funny, dude. Uh, are, it was great. They are so funny. Uh, but I I like the way that they voice things, and so and I knew that it would work because I've, I I I feel like I have a pretty decent inner ear. So I uh, when I picked them, I was like, I'm pretty sure this would work, and it did. So it, you know. Yeah, great. and I know that that you mentioned earlier, you know that. You obviously act as the band leader with these tunes, and the, and they are your tunes. Mm-hmm. And when you're ri- when you're writing them, mm-hmm. do you know how everything is going to sound, or at least like how you want it to sound when you're when you're making for the most part? Um, and I have kind of an outline, and like I said, I, I don't tell them exactly what to play. I give them. I give them a uh, uh, some advice and like kind of a point of direction, and then I just let them go. And then that if if I don't like it, I change it. I'm like, all right, let's no, let's do something more like this. And then uh, I change it. Yeah, during rehearsal and stuff like that. So you're, yeah, you're not gonna you're not just gonna let somebody play something that yeah, you're not exactly. actually into exactly, which is. That would be an incredibly. That wouldn't be right. You <laughs> yeah, know? that wouldn't yeah. be a good thing to do. And then I don't know. It's just uh, I think it's important, like whether you're the band leader or not, for someone, or if not everybody, to be accepting of others challenging their ideas when when writing music. Yeah, uh, and for I mean, for the most part, if they have like a good idea or good, I hear them out because I mean, I'm I. I have the, I keep these people around me because they are such great musicians. They right. are people who I who I blend with and who I uh, respect greatly as 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 fellow artists. And so, if they have an idea, I'm like yeah, come on, bring it on. Like I I want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if they don't, I try and give them a little bit of direction, and then we just see what happens, and then figure it out from there. For sure, because you only have you know your set of ears, and yeah, you're always exactly. hearing it toward like through that filter and Mm -hmm. you're also the one spending the most time with all of the songs because they're not only are you writing them you're also hearing them in your head all Mm -hmm. of the time so yeah and uh i mean uh wild stories is is a kind of a great example of that because uh the horns are doing exact when i play live now are doing not exactly but pretty close to what the violin was doing in the recording and i think just that one change made it from like a song that I was like, oh, that's all right on the album to one of my favorite songs to do live now. Um, do you, do you feel like that's a part of putting out the record at this point is is learning how to play the songs live as well and, and seeing if, if different things even work better and not necessarily being always super married to all of the ideas laid down on the record that's i mean that's that's kind of the the point of the jack navy project is uh when i when i when i book a show depending on how big the show is i say we're gonna have one two or three rehearsals before the show and i want it to be really 
low stress on all of my musicians. So I just book it and we do a few rehearsals and then we go. Um, and that's why I have to trust that everybody's on the up and up as far as like their skills and they're keeping themselves worked. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to be really low stress on the, on the musicians themselves. That's why I, I kind of forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that breaks down a cool barrier too when you're not super married to everything that happens. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're and willing so, to like see if there's is room for it to change. That's it's it's not always the right thing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. sometimes songs should be whatever those songs were because they were like nailed down in the first place. But I think yeah. the live setting often and uh, re- remembering my original point that I was trying to get across before I forgot, uh, that so not everybody can make it to every show, and it's not a big deal as far as the players in your band. Yeah, exactly. For and sure. so uh, we've had to do it with with like a weird, uh, like two vocalists and a drummer, and that's it. And so it's it changes depending on who's there too. So uh, not being married to exactly what the song is recorded like is so much more of a blessing than trying to get the perfect sound every single time you know yeah are the songs pretty bare bones when you're when you're actually writing these tunes is it is it go back to just like you and an acoustic guitar yeah did you ever did you ever that's i mean that's how i've been writing songs since i've been 16 since i was 16 so like uh what i do afterwards has changed and like uh trying to as far as producing the final product exactly producing the final product and then just finishing like i i start the songs and i have the the bare bones and then i i kind of see that as yeah the skeletal structure the bare bones and everything else is the muscle the flesh the blood everything else that need that the song needs you know because it's not it's not it's not finished without them but at the same time it can stand on its own and being a bass player as well, do you feel like that gives you kind of this advantage to know where like the groove is and and the rhythm when when you're writing these songs, or is that just still an afterthought after guitar is kind of laid down? It's, I mean, my my guitar playing plays a lot of the bass in it as well. Um, maybe because I was, I'm also a bass player, and so I I know what. I think that's more of a challenge for me is trying to not play the notes that the bass <laughs> should be playing uh, while I'm playing guitar. And I, I do all these chromatic uh, moves on the bass, and so I, I add them to my, to my guitar playing. But if the bass is also doing it, it's just it's redundant. It's, it's superfluous. Right on, man. Yeah, thanks. Did you ever, did you ever gravitate back to the piano at all and, and see if, if you uh, uh, had so anything with that? Five years ago at this point, I moved out to Fossil, Oregon as part of the Rural Outreach Program in Ethos Music, which is a nonprofit works with uh, works with uh, getting kids, music teachers out in, uh, in rural areas of, of Oregon. How far out is Fossil? Fossil is about three hours from here, Portland. Okay. Um, and it is a town of 470 last I looked. And so my, my largest class was about... 10 kids at its largest and we lost two during the year um and that was fifth and sixth grade uh so uh yeah the classes are really were really small but it was just me i didn't have an accompanist i didn't like it so i had to 
work on my piano skills really fast. And they, my chops got up during that year. Like I was able, I learned uh, a Bach. Uh, uh, the area of uh, Goldberg variations. So you can play the fucking piano, dude. Uh, I can I, I can read it, and then after like a year of playing it, I can play something pretty well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I would never call myself a pianist in front of a pianist. I'd, if somebody, if no, I would check around first. It was like, and if there's any pianists in the room, and if there's not, yeah, I'll play piano. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever like experiment with writing on the piano at all? I compose on the piano when I'm doing more art music. Uh, just last year there was uh, an organization called Sound of Late that came through and they were doing the the 48 hour composition competition where you would compose something in 48 hours and I completely forgot I was supposed to do that and I was at a party when they sent me the the email of what my what my people were, where my uh, ensemble was and so I was like oh no and so I went back and I composed on both guitar and piano trying to figure out exactly how relationships were working but I don't write songs on the on the piano I've never experimented with it. Maybe I should. So not something that you've really implemented into Jack Maybe project yet. No, not a, not at all. Really, not in the sure. Jack Maybe project. Um, just just my own personal stuff uh, that it has nothing to do with the project. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, I will say that your album release show at Kelly's was like. That was a very impressive show, man. That like, was a I, lot of fun. I was, uh, I was very happy that I, I made it out to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I was surprised because I really loved when I saw your band at Turn, Turn, Turn. Yeah. And, and um, but that night, obviously, you had a you had a pretty big ensemble of, yeah. of folks with you. Yeah. And um, it was just a very engaging show. Thank you. Uh, I. I that is, I feel like that's something that I've tried to work up through the, through the years of just my own stuff too. Before I even had the band, uh, trying to get just surround myself with good people, not even just good musicians, just people who are great, you know. Yeah, and it's it, it felt like a good vibe there too. Like the whole the whole absolutely, thing. Absolutely, man. It it was a it seemed to be a, a special show it, as a as a spectator. Thank like thank it you. was it was definitely something that that I remembered from last year. After going to tons of shows, like that, that is one that stands out to me. Thank you. It means a lot. And uh, it's just uh, just because you you do have such good musicians surrounding you, it's fun to watch everybody in the band. So it's not just like, oh, this bass player is crushing her. The drummer is like really good. Mm -hmm. It's it's everybody on stage is is playing their part. Yeah, and I I try to I try to feed off of that and not overshadow anybody else as well and i try yeah i try to make it the jack maybe project like the whole everybody contributes and like shines at some point you know and they're they're all i i would really i'd be much a much more sad person if i didn't have my band behind me that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) um yeah man and the and the record is is full of cool ups and downs there's there's haunting songs like even whiskey song, I feel like is is this haunting thing, and I feel like even listening to that song, you can almost hear the character getting drunker and drunker throughout it, and just a little more volatile. Yeah, that that song I I wrote in kind of a haze, uh, so I had kind of what you have here, a, a recording setup, something like this. I was a Korg, and I was it. I recorded the entire weekend. 
Uh, and you know there were there was much whiskey involved, uh, and that song definitely came out of that weekend, and that was yeah. So that's probably what was happening when I was writing it. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> just more more <laughs> angst was, com- was coming out. A little more aggression. Yep. Yep. Just towards the end. <laughs> I mean, basically every shot was uh, take a shot of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, where where the quiet things are is like another one of those haunting jams. But then you have fun like upbeat jams like My Way, and you know, kind of buffers the heaviness of, of a jam like Lost Pack. Yeah, I don't want everything to be so sad because not my 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 life wasn't shit. You know, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I've, I've had I've definitely had my blessings. I'm here. I mean, no, yeah, and just, I don't know. We Talking all, with we you, we all have to we all have to deal with like the human condition. Yeah, exactly, and, and whatnot. Exactly, and. I, I thought it it was a very like I think it's a very well balanced collection of tunes like it's Thank you. like I said like the ups and downs of it and uh, we're gonna play play it out with probably my favorite song on the on the record which is Sugarcane. Uh, I think that's Bree's favorite too. So I think you're in good company there. Bree is such a killer singer, dude. Yeah, she is. She is, yeah, she is. She is so complimentary to what you do as as a lead vocalist. Right. To have her right there with you is is amazing she is she is fire yeah no 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 kidding um yeah man where where's a good place for for people to keep up with the jack maybe project and and all the things you're doing um well we started we jump started our internet presence again so we can be found on facebook and instagram most often uh if you want to listen to the album you can listen to it on spotify or purchase it on bandcamp yeah, I will put I will put the Bandcamp link in the episode notes. Perfect for people. Um, yeah, I've definitely been listening to it quite a bit on Apple Music. Thank you, thank uh, you. <laughs> so it is also up there, and and people, Google Play, I think people should really come check out a live performance because please do We'd the record captures you. a great vibe, and it's it's very cool. But this is really, and I'm sure the same for you. It's really. <laughs> A completely different experience live and it's really that's oh, yeah. that's really where to see what happens you know i mean that's our that's bread and butter spot. right there yeah that's our favorite we love playing uh, we end every episode of the of the podcast with the guest saying the the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get a great jack maybe it's a program we can uh we can play it out with the jam well it's a program there it is jack maybe <laughs> from the jack maybe project uh Thanks for hanging, man. Yeah, thanks this for having me. I really appreciate super it. Super fun chat, and uh, I I am super fortunate to kind of fallen into this this circle of like Jack Maybe and Kiki and the Dowry, and uh, man, two bands that complemented each other incredibly well, and a lot of people running in in the yeah we 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 play double shows rotation. every once in a while. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, both of you guys have made me fall in love with this style of music and it, it's not that i didn't care for Thank it before you. i think it was just not like a lack of being informed and, and knowing you know who the bands are yeah, or, or what, whatever around but anytime we'll we'll show, we'll show I you around i think like <laughs> i think both of you um do an incredible like justice to like that vaudeville style and that just Thank that you. classic vintage vibes and really appreciate uh, it just kind of the same thing I told her. It's it's the it's the type of music that I'd be stoked to hear in a small like bar, but also in like a large theater. So 
Yeah, and it'll be different vibes each time. Absolutely, man, <laughs> for sure. So uh, people should really check out your record. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Check it out. <laughs> check it out, folks. Yeah, you know? thanks. Give it a listen. <laughs> check out the links. Maybe uh, you know, follow what they're doing. and uh, Come out to a show. Come out to a show. Go say what's up to, to Jack Maybe and uh, all the fine folks that surround him. We're going to play it out with a, a jam from the new record, Cautionary Tales from Old Man Mountain. And this song is called Sugar Cane. Catch you on the flip side, Portland. Tear myself to pieces Just to find something new Rebuild myself from clay and brick To make a better me for you I hold my hands up high Pray for rain program.